This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hi, Jen. (laughs) I am. Hi. Let's talk business. (laughs) It's our favorite conversation. (laughs) A lot of people have had a lot of questions about the therapy group, how we run a business, how the heck we have done this, and we're going to tell you all about today. And then our favorite part is at the end of this episode, our amazing friends, Abby and Amy from the Herself Podcast, who are phenomenal podcasters and even better business coaches, are going to tell us all um, some really great insight and info about uh, working with a business partner. So I'm really excited for that. So excited for that. And you know what? I just can't wait to talk about business and our business and how we grew and what we how we got to this point. So do we want to start from the beginning? Well, it was a a slow, rainy night. I think it was. It was was a rainy day. It was an August afternoon orientation at Thomas Jefferson University that I walked up to Jennifer and I said, You're gonna be my best friend here. And And I (laughs) <laughs> said who is this bitch i said what the fuck <laughs> someone save me <laughs> i did not plan to make any friends here <laughs> trying to put this, my head down and now this aggressive girl is coming up to me but it worked out very well for everyone involved best thing and you know what you know what we talk about is like it was almost like a marriage proposal <laughs> without knowing you and without your consent 
<laughs> it was the it was almost like married at first sight. Did you ever see that? Definitely not. You know I haven't. You Definitely know I've seen have not nothing. Seen. It was married at first sight. Actually, you know, you we said we were gonna be friends, but we at that point we were not opening a business together. Mm-hmm. Right. So Jen went to her undergrad for marketing. I went to my undergrad for um No. Edu- no. Psycho- nope. Oh, sorry, psychology, but then you went into marketing. Yes, that I did. Okay, let's see if I can tell your story. She went to yeah, yeah, undergrad for psychology and then ended up in luxury marketing in New York City yes. one year after she graduated undergrad. And much to no one's surprise, I think, that did not work for you, New York City in general. And that- <laughs> Horrible. If you're someone who is overstimulated by people, don't go to New York City. <laughs> Bad choice. Okay, and I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell yours. Yes. You went you planned to be a teacher and you went to undergrad for human development at Penn State. And then someone who was an MFT well, school from for education. School for education, sorry. <laughs> and then so we have no we don't know each We've other no at all. <laughs> we don't know each other one bit. <laughs> this is fun though. We should try doing this more often. <laughs> Then an MFT from Jefferson came and talked to her class, and she was hooked. Not not true. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't someone from Jefferson something okay, happen? Wait. You were like kind of close, right? Okay, so I went to school for education. I did the first half of my student teaching. And I say I got to get out of here. This was a huge mistake. Yeah. All I wanted to do was talk and hang out with the kids. I had no interest in following rules or lesson plans. And I then I really realized how much a teacher makes. And I said this this is not for me. Um. <laughs> And so I went into my guidance counselor and I said, what the fuck? My guidance counselor, my advisor. And I said, what can I transfer into? I don't know what to do. And they said, just do human development. It basically just means you have to go to grad school at some point. It's just kind of like a it's a Bachelor of Science. You'll figure it out. And I'm like, all right, just sh- shove me in that shit. And then uh, there was a girl in my class who was like saying, oh, no, someone was like, oh, I was like, I guess I'll just be a fucking therapist. My mom's a therapist. I talk to everyone anyway. Whatever. And then by chance, somebody from Jefferson's MFT program did come and talk to um, our major, but I had already switched into stuff. And that's when I was like, I guess I'll go there. Really worked out. <laughs> so pretty much we didn't choose this for ourselves. We just Not any bit. fell into it. Yep. Right. Because I didn't even really choose New York. I was just like, all my friends are going there. I was kind of just like the tides were like carrying me until yes. I really feel like the big the first real decision that I made, and I don't know if you feel this way, is opening a private practice right out of grad school. I feel the same way. Everything else was the tides carrying yeah. me too. Yeah. Same thing. And I was just floating, man. I was just like, I'm young. I'll figure this shit out eventually. Exactly. I was floating too. And I was like, yeah. I'll fi-. And my, you know, you always get the question of like, what do you want to be? And like I did after I had that horrible experience in New York, I was like, I know I want to be a therapist. I don't know what that's going to look like. I love talking to people, but I didn't have any picture of like, this is where I want to be. And people ask us all the time because we're kind of like this now too. People will always say like, what are your goals? What do you want to do with the therapy group? And the answer is we don't have any. (laughs) (laughs) And I think people hate to hear that. I think it's it's really upsetting for people. I think so too, because people want to know that if they set a goal, that they're going to be able to achieve it. And the fact of the matter is Emily and I have not had these goals. The only active decision that we made was private practice and that we both wanted our own clients. Yeah. 
Okay, so yeah, so I will say here are the things I believe we really act about. So basically, we uh, went through grad school together, we had a good time. It was, <laughs> I, I think, honestly, a lot of people have other stuff to say about grad programs. It worked for me. I think we had I a wonderful it. education. I, really I had a great it. grad school experience. Everyone's is different. Hard to say. Um, we were also bopping around, you know, like we were fucking like still in our young 20s, so young, like, yeah. living in Philadelphia, like going out and drinking, like Those in between the classes days. sometimes. Yes. Yeah. I was like showing up <laughs> high to shit. Like, you know, like it was, we were kind of just floating, right? Yeah. But what I did know is that we got to the second year and I was like, I got to figure some shit out. My parents are definitely not about to. We we had financial help from both of our parents still at that time. Mm-hmm. Not a lot, but they were still helping. Yes. And... And I was like, I am fucked. Like, I am really going to have to figure some shit out. I'm going to have to pay some bills soon. We are like, you know, things are about to start working. And we went to this. I had sort of brought up to Jen before, like, I think we should open a private practice. And she was like, I don't know if that's what I want to do. That's the first thing you said to me is, well, I don't know if I want to be in private practice. And I was like, we got to be in private practice. She's like, well, I don't know if I want that. And I was like, no, we have to. (laughs) And we sit at this business day. Like it was like some like, you know, P-A-M-F-T business day thing. And this girl stands up and she starts essentially talking about how much she hates where she works. This girl did not realize that where she works was named in the freaking pamphlet that she was speaking at at this event. She was like saying like, I'm not going to disclose where I work, but it was in the freaking pamphlet, which she clearly hadn't seen. And I just started like hyperventilating. Like I, this is going to be me. I am going to be this girl up here. I'm going to hate where I go. I'm not going to make enough money to pay my bills. I'm going to feel totally burnt out and I'm going to leave this field in two years. Like everyone is telling us it's going to happen. And I think you passed me a note and you said, Okay, I'll do it. Let's, let's do open it. A let's open up I a wish we could practice. find, and I think you said let's open a private practice. Period. Yes, I and, and I remember, and I think I drew a smiley face on it too. Like I think, it and had I hair. was like, thank <laughs> God, because I knew I couldn't do it on my own. Yeah, I knew there was no way I could do this. I, what I couldn't afford to do this on my own. I had to have someone else, and we had a third business partner. So it was us and another girl, and we all decided to do this. And we we got this really amazing piece of advice from one of our professors, which is. The best thing you can do for private practice is go 30 miles outside of the city. The city has a ton of therapists in it. If you go 30 miles, at least 30 miles outside the city, you will be good to go. And I said, great, let's open up at Westchester University. Because we were so young, we didn't know who was going to take it seriously, but we thought college students would. Yes, and they did. (laughs) And then some, right? And then we had. And so, but I, I think that people might have this idea that like, we had this goal of like, we went into grad school, we were going to open up a private practice. The fact of the matter is we were flying by the seat of our pants. We had <laughs> no idea what we were doing. And so I just want to validate that for people because I think that, I think people now who are who are maybe going into private practice or starting their own business, whatever it is, it's so easy to look at someone who owns a private practice now, who's successful, who has a lot of people coming in, whatever it is, and say, oh, they must have had a business plan. They planned all this out. We they had this goal. We had no idea what we were doing. We didn't have legal papers. We were so stupid. We didn't have a partnership. We didn't have any documentation. Here's what we knew. We rented a space in a shitty basement for $550. We split it three ways. It was $183.33 a month. <laughs> it was all week all three of us could afford. And then we looked around and saw what other people were charging, and we just did less than that. Yeah. So everyone in the we area under, was undercut the market. Hard. It's exactly what we did. It was a horrible decision. We ended up completely burnt out. Don't ever do this. But it works to get people in the door. So basically, we're like, oh, everyone around here is charging like $85. We're going to charge 60 bucks. So we charge $60. For all of our sessions, and then $60 for individuals and $75 for couples, right? Yeah. 
And we rented our furniture. We had to rent furniture, which was yes. also such a dumb decision. But we didn't have money at that time. But we didn't have any money. So I think it was like 75 bucks a month. And we split that three ways. And right. And then my brother had gotten divorced like, um, you know, five <laughs> years before and still and then was like moving in with his new partner and they bought all new furniture. So we took my brother's broken Ikea <laughs> furniture and that was our waiting room furniture. <laughs> right. And we all had other jobs. Yes, we, we all, all had other jobs, had to other pay jobs too. And so I mean, the overhead one, though was like nothing in retrospect. Right, but we just we also had to pay our own bills, you know, yeah. we had to live. And so once again, I I think the one thing that we did do is that we worked so hard during that time to get our names out. We did everything we possibly could to meet people in the area to send out those remember those um referral packets oh we made these referral packets we got oh and we we told this story before but we spent hundreds of dollars on brochures <laughs> nobody cares about brochures we um made like marketing things on vista prints with like grain because we was in westchester pennsylvania we thought it was kind of rural like i don't fucking know it was so bad it, it was so ugly Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? (laughs) It's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids' snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken, and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair 
cut or went to the salon, which is, of course, the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I use this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks. One of the issues that came was that between the three of us, we did not have hard conversations. Nope. We didn't have enough conversations and set enough boundaries. It ended up very poorly. We're eventually two years in. The business was doing actually very, very well. And I came to you and I said, listen, I have to leave. I can't do this anymore with our third business partner. Basically, either you and I have to start our own thing and like end it with her or I have to, I'm going to go out on my own because I, I can't do this anymore. I'm dying. And I said, no chance. <laughs> I said, if you leave me. <laughs> yeah. And what it was was that, that we all weren't on the same page. You and I had really sort of put our heads down and said, we are going to make this work and invest everything. And yeah. she wasn't like that. She was traveling a lot. She was yeah. partying a lot. She was in a different place in her life. Yeah. And she wasn't as interested. And that just was because like we didn't have conversations in the beginning mm-hmm. to talk about like what we all were going to do. So like even at the very beginning, we were making those packets. She was like on a vacation or a trip or yeah. something. Yeah. And then yeah. there was so much resentment. Yeah. And and sharing the space, right? We shared two offices amongst the three of us. And so and it just there was a conversation about how well it should be kept and who used it for what hours. Basically, here's how we did it. There was one really nice office and then one mediocre office. And so here's the way it worked. Whoever got to the office first got the nice one. That was the why did we do it like that? Why was it like true? Emily? I don't yes. know if that's true, really. Yes, it is. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> horrible. Horrible, right? Once okay, so I, I think also to say the amount of mistakes we made along the way is also important to highlight because once again, people want to go into a business with a business plan and avoiding any mistakes. They want to know that they can avoid mistakes. But I think mistakes are the way in which you learn. They're the way in which you learn and the way yeah. in which you grow. As there long some as mistakes we didn't have to make. Totally. But <laughs> well, we here's the thing. We say that but also look where we are now. Great point. Great point. Great point. You know, like I I would love to say that, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I think there's certain mistakes we didn't have to make for as long as we were making them. I think we could have been more proactive about certain mistakes. And it took us a long time. It took us a really long time to have a conversation with our third business partner. Emily came to me. We probably had the conversation like a year and a half later. <laughs> yeah. When I, and like, that, when I really came. Yeah. No. Well, no. So I started coming to you. And then the final conversation was where I said, like, oh, my God. And then there was, all unfortunately, she did something illegal. And then, <laughs> which honestly is fucked up, but it worked out super well for us because we could be like, okay, now it's 100% done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's So it took us some time. But I, I just want anyone who's listening, who's thinking about starting a practice, starting a business, working with someone else, that 
it is okay to make mistakes as long as you learn from them and as long as you grow from them, that you cannot anticipate every possible mistake and not make them, that you cannot grow unless you make mistakes. I think there's such a fear of failure and there's such a fear of mistakes that people end up avoiding them as opposed to moving through them. And we just threw shit up against the wall and see what stuck. The thing that we were really great at, which really grew my business, which is if you have a private practice and you want to know, is that we were the most, like, we had complete humility. We offered to take anyone out to get coffee. We would call people. We would try to get them on the phone. We just tried to get to know every single person. So the thing that we did that resulted in a ton of referrals was we made a ton of connections. And as opposed to, like, you know, and this was also before like social media marketing was like really a thing, right? Because this was in 2014. And I, now I think everyone focuses on social media marketing. I wouldn't do that. It's not I, right. It's not a real connection or real relationship. It's not a real connection. Go to local providers. And that's what we did. Massage therapists, acupuncturists, doctors, gynecologists, um, dentists, facialists, like freaking anyone doing anything is who we were reaching out to. PTs, OTs, yep. like speech therapists, anything. And we said, can we take you out? Here is who we are. We just tried to like essentially kind of become friends with people. Yes. And we offered free talks. We went, I remember yeah. we went to a, we went to Westchester University, offer yeah. free shit to people. So if you were saying things that we got a list of all the sororities and uh, right. And we just emailed all the sororities and yes. was like, we'll talk to you about self-esteem. We'll talk to you. Right. Like anything. And we'll, like, we'll talk anything. about literally anything. And only two took us up on it. Most ignored us. And we went to those two and just talked to them. And so I think that there is something about not, we didn't try to prove ourselves of like, oh, we're so smart. We just tried to prove ourselves of like, hey, we'd like to have a conversation with you. We think you'll like us. We'll like you. We'll see if it's a good fit. And that's it. Yeah. And that's what really worked for us. Yeah. Because we're in the business of relationships in multiple different ways. Yeah. And I think that both of us, Per, have personally had to grow a ton in building this business. <laughs> right? Like what do you think what do you think for you was the biggest like growth point? What do you think how do you think you had to grow the most? I think the thing is that we had one certain business model when we first started to bring someone on and then it we were quickly aware that like it wasn't a financially stable business model the way that we had initially set up and then we switched which ended up working out 100% well for every single person involved but when we first presented it to like the, the therapist we had there was like a huge backlash and it was really overwhelming and I would I cried myself to sleep like every single night and we felt horrible and it felt like, yeah. So I think part of it was like having to make hard decisions that also when it was just the two of us, it was kind of like whatever. Yeah. But when we started bringing other clinicians on, I think it changed everything because you have other people's livelihoods in your hands. Yeah. And so the pressure of that was what was really upsetting. I mean, that's how I felt when everything shut down from COVID. Yes. We sat there and sobbed and I was like, what if these people can't get paid? Like, it was really what, scary. What is going to happen when we have all these people that work here? Like, is our industry over? Ha ha ha. <laughs> no, but we were we were terrified and we painted terrified. our we painted we were like, oh, the office is closed for two weeks. So we painted our office. <laughs> Little did we know. <laughs> 
So I think for me, it was all of a sudden I had been trained to be a therapist and then you're a manager and we hadn't been trained in that. So it felt like we failed a lot with that. And there was stuff that I wish we did different and conversations I wish we did differently. But I would say for me, that was like the biggest growth um, because for me, I was already so extroverted. So like having these conversations and putting myself out there, that wasn't really bad. That was really painful for you. I watched you go through that. Oh, yeah, that was a huge <laughs> Yes, really a huge growth point. But we always talk about how we couldn't do a lot of this without each other because it's so helpful going into a situation, right? Like it, when we would go to talks early on and I was very uncomfortable speaking in front of people, how comforting it was to have you there and to be able to say like, I can do this. Like I'm watching you do it too. You know, like that we always talk about the thing that's really helpful in having a partner is that we very much balance each other out. Like mm -hmm. the, the places where I struggle, I think you thrive and vice versa. And that it's really helpful to have that balance in our relationship because also we both really struggle too when the business model change and being managers, that's not something that we ever anticipated. And something we very much align on is how much we care about our clinicians and care about other people that to feel that responsibility is really heavy on the both of us. Mm -hmm. So there, you know, I, I think being able to come together and say, this is really hard and being able to talk about how hard it was for us personally also helped us move through it in a different way because it would have been way lonelier to do that alone, right? To be like, yeah. how do I make this decision? How do I have this conversation? How do I? It's so helpful to have someone you're going through it with. And I think that that's a big thing is that, you know, there are a lot of people who start private practices alone. And I think there's ways to find support or connect with other people who are also starting their private practices. And that it's so common, I think, to feel like you're in competition with them. Oof. But I think it's important to recognize that there are enough clients to go around. There are enough clinicians to go around. And we've had it like we've had meetings like, we, you know, we've been talking to other therapists and they're like all of a sudden want to talk like not anyone in our practice, but like we'll be talking to someone else who wants a different practice and they're like want to talk shit on someone else. And we're like, oh, yeah, like we're really not interested in doing that. Like, yeah, the thing you can know is like if you choose to view everyone as community over competition, it will work out for you. Even if it means saying to yourself, like you have to put your scarcity mindset on the back burner and you have to put your insecurities, like you have to really look at yourself and see like, why am I so scared here? Yeah. Because I think the other thing that we didn't really touch on is I think one of the other biggest parts about this is when we very first opened the practice, we got some shits from our professors. Yeah. When we told our professors we were going to do this, they we were got, fucking assholes. <laughs> also, we got shit from everyone. We got shit from everyone at the very beginning. There was a lot of talk around, you guys are so young. Who's going to trust you? How are you going to do this? How are you going to figure this out? My grad school supervisor said to me, do you really think you're worth that money? $60. Um, <laughs> but I, think, I, mean, I have do to say I think I'm worth $60? Wait, like, it doesn't have to do with worth, too. Like, it's just like what? Yeah. Also, it's like to equate it to worth. It's kind of bullshit. We we also did have some professors who were very supportive, right? I think we got it on both ends. Priscilla. Priscilla. We did have one amazing, amazing supportive who she came and she toured our office. And she and was like, you guys are worth more than what you're charging. She was telling us she was more. So there was supportive. one 
You're so right. I can't believe I even made that face. Well, She's a that woman is a heaven sent goddamn angel. Heavens, and that's the thing is that when you're so insecure going into something, it's easy to remember the negative feedback. It's so that's much all I easier. Did just then. And, exactly. It's so much easier to hold on to that because you're like, yeah, no one believed in me. This was so hard. But there were a few people who were supportive. Yeah. And I think our I mean, our parents were scared but supportive. Yes, I think they were. Mo- they were very fear based, but yes. but supportive. They didn't yeah. say no, you can't do this or you're idiots. Right, but they were pretty fucking scared. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, probably I because s- we made no money for a long time. <laughs> I think I got some of those messages, you know. <laughs> but I think I I think that when you go into something, it's and you're insecure, it's easier to believe the negative feedback. It's easier to hold on to the negative feedback, and the fact of the matter is that. Those people are projecting their own scarcity mindset onto you, their own fear onto you. They have never been in your position. They cannot predict the future. Yeah. And if you give them that power and you say, oh, they must be saying this because I can't do this and I won't be able to make that, make this happen. But if you think about who you grow for anyone who's in their 30s or who you grow from when you're 25 to 35. <laughs> Ow. And we spent these like huge growth years running this business. There's a lot of stuff now that I'm like, oh, I wish you and I had had conversations about A, B, and C, right? But like, we just didn't. And we did when we knew. When you know better, you do better. So like, if you don't get this right at the beginning, then you try and try again. Like, I mean, if you're starting a business in your 40s, you're going to have a leg up from someone starting at 25 because we had no idea what we were doing. All we knew... (laughs) Was that we were going to be nice and kind to people. We were going to really view community over any type of competition. We were going to ask older and more like advanced therapists for like we reached out to like much older therapists and just said, like, tell us your thoughts. And like we just tried to learn from everyone we could. Yeah. We were humble. And we were very humble. And we were able to admit when we made mistakes. I think that that was a big thing, too. We were able to say, like, "Mm, yeah, we probably should have done this sooner. or We probably should have changed this sooner. Yeah. And I think the one thing that spans true across our business and with each other is that our values have stayed the same, right? That even through the mistakes and the things that we've had to work on, our values of community, connection, and relationships has always stayed the same no matter what. Mm -hmm. And that I think has is the reason why there is such strength in the business is that we very much care about people. We very much care about each other. We care about our clinicians and we care about the clients that come into this business. We want everyone to feel as safe as possible, as comfortable as possible. Of course, that's not always something that we can control, but we, I think our values have really stood the test of time, if you will. Yeah in our business. And I think that that's something to hold true. And so I I think that you can think about for yourself, like, what are my values in my business? And what do I want to hold on to as I'm building this business? How do I want that to project into different areas of this business? And what does that look like? Yeah. So let's hear a little bit more from Abby and Amy and all about some other great things to start.
Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. We are so excited to introduce our guest today, Abby and Amy, the co-hosts of the amazing podcast, Herself, that we were honored to be guests on a few months back. Abby and Amy's mission with Herself is to create a space to be vulnerable, talk about the challenges we all face, and to know you are not alone. Welcome. We are so excited to have you both. Thank you. We're so excited to be here. Yes. I'm just, we just get to spend more time together. Isn't this I great? Know. We'll just slowly send, spend one hour of our lives every few months together. And that's how you create a friendship in this digital world, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the first thing we want to know is like, how did you, the two of you come together to create this? Tell us a little bit about your story. Well, long story short, we met in college, but we were not friends. We were just like acquaintances. And then we moved to the same city after college and kind of did the same life events at the same time. So we got married at the same time. She needed a wedding singer and a wedding ceremony venue. And I was like, you can use mine. Like these are <laughs> awesome suggestions. 
So she did that. And then we had our first babies at the same time. And I know you guys have been through that where it's just like you really connect to people that are in a similar season, especially as a vulnerable first time mom. So we kind of went down this road together, but really our podcast didn't come about until years and years later. And I'll let Abby tell her own story, but she was in a corporate job and just not feeling the purpose. I had always wanted to do a podcast and she, we are very different. She is much more analytical. She's going to take the course to learn how to do the podcast. But I had been in the online space for a while. So I had built the audience for the podcast. And so she, we're meeting. I'm just helping her. I'm like, here, here's a good idea for this. Da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden we, we were like, wait, why don't we do this together? She pitched to me that we should do the podcast together. And that's the story. It's like we just had a similar vision opposite skill sets. Let's make magic. I like that she pitched you. Was there a PowerPoint involved? Was there a deck? Can we hear I mean, more about my personality? <laughs> yes. 27 point to-do list. This is what you're doing. This is what I'm doing. Okay. Is this going to relationship going to happen? Game up. <laughs> I would like the Shark Tank pitch specifically. Yes. It was honestly, it felt like a marriage proposal. Like she did take it very seriously. It was like six minutes long. And the best part was I responded right away. You know, I said I needed some time to think about it, but I really liked the idea. She never got that. She never saw that message. So she was like, oh my gosh, why did I do that? Why would I ask her? Like she just was spiraling. (laughs) Meanwhile, I had already responded. So it was just like, just a funny part of our story and really shows off our personalities. The overthinker in me all of a sudden was so (laughs) wishing I had not sent that message, thinking that I just like destroyed the friendship that we had just started to build. And in reality, I just didn't get the notification on my Voxer. So you wanted to take the relationship like one step deeper and you thought you were being rejected. I thought Mm. I was being rejected. (laughs) And it was interesting because we had talked about this podcast for a while. We talked about each of our podcasts and how we could do them side by side and help each other out. Um, And we both were really serious about it, but we both knew that we were missing pieces that would eventually make the Herself podcast a success. So yeah, that was a fateful day back in 2019. And we launched in early 2020. And three years later, we're still doing business side by side and now have another business together as well. Okay, so we want to hear that. So let me ask you this. So Jen and I do a lot of consulting. One of the number one questions we ask from people is like, how do you preserve the friendship and relationship, right? I think a lot of people are realizing that it works really well to have a co-partner in something that you do. It's amazing to have a sounding board. There are so many pros for having it. But a lot of people are really scared. Is it going to, one, ruin our relationship? Are we going to hate each other? Are we going to fight about money? Like, So what was that like for you two to sort of navigate that portion? Yeah. And maybe an unpopular opinion, but I think people should have a healthy fear of going into (laughs) business with someone that they're close to. But I had already done it once. I have another business with my sister, Crystal, expecting an empowered. And so I remember when we were meeting with our lawyer for the first time and she said, you know, businesses, business partners splitting up, it's a higher rate. I believe it's 60% than the divorce rate. So like you actually really have to have some tough conversations before you do this. So Abby and I knew that we're very proactive people. So we were like, okay, it really felt like my premarital counseling. We had to say, how do you handle conflict? What's going to happen if this? I also had a 
still do have another business. So I said, I have to let you know, like, this one is my priority. Here's why. Here's how much time I can commit. Are you going to get resentful of that? You know, just having really open and honest dialogue before you do it is just completely vital because I think it's so it's such a romantic idea to like, oh, well, we're already good friends. Like I got to do business with my best friend, but it's like, yeah. And it can bring up a lot of issues, but we've really had from the beginning, we're like, we both have to be really honest with each other. Like we had, you know, a couple months in just like this rocky patch where Abby was feeling resentful because a lot of her work is like checking boxes and you can see her work. And it's like, you know, here's everything I did today. Whereas I'm more in the role of I go get the guests. I come up with the episode ideas. I do a lot of the more visionary creative side of the business, which doesn't have quite as much to show for it. So we just had to have this conversation of like, I feel like you don't appreciate the things that I bring to the business. Here's why I'm feeling this way. It literally is kind of like marriage. And you know, she was really receptive to that. And so it's like, we had that conversation, we both moved through it. You know, we made some changes. And, and that's kind of how you have to stay very open and honest with each other, I would say is my main takeaway. Ooh, okay, a few things. Let's take that. I love the idea of healthy fears. <laughs> the reality is, is there's some shit we should figure out beforehand. But I love I love we're talking about intentionality. We're talking about how conscious it was. And when something wasn't working, there was a conversation around it. I, Jen, you know, that dynamic. Did that sound familiar to you at all? <laughs> uh, I, literally, you're speaking to us. us. Exactly. And, and completely agree. We always say that we really don't think we could do what we do alone, that having a partner in it is so vital. But I do think that part of the reason why our partnership is so successful is because we're both therapists and we know how to communicate with each other. And of course, that doesn't happen overnight. That takes time. But we've also had experiences in our business with another partner that didn't work out. So it absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we had a third business partner. At the beginning. We had a yeah. third business partner. And so I, I really think finding it's right. It's like dating. It's like getting married. You have to find someone who is the right fit that you're that can also balance you out. I think one of the things the two of you are speaking to is the balance that you have in, in your relationship that where someone maybe doesn't gravitate towards one area, the other person picks that up. And Emily and I are very similar in that, that we do kind of opposites and we very much balance each other out. And so I think that that's almost a really important thing to look for in a relationship is your ability to balance each other out so that you can do the things that you gravitate towards that you feel really confident in. And, and the other, th the things that maybe you don't gravitate towards the other person will pick up. Yes. And I'm going to take it even a step further because sometimes we can look at a partner and say, wow, on paper, we are absolutely perfect. You do all the things that I don't want to do, that I'm not good at, that I have no desire learning and vice versa. And then if you get into a partnership just based on skill set, 
you'll hit a dead end at some point. You'll hit a dead end because you'll realize that you're not in alignment with each other on things like values and goals. So taking it a step further, Amy and I, we have opposite skill sets. We do share some similar strengths, but then we have things that like only Amy can do. And I have no desire to learn. She's a queen at them. She's going to do them for the rest of time. And I'm so happy to be in partnership with someone who can do them and then vice versa. However, our values were aligned. So somewhat opposite skill sets, same values. And that's just going to make the partnership last instead of all of a sudden getting to a tough spot, either in business or in a conflict or in just a simple conversation and realizing, wait a minute, we have different things in mind here because our values and just the foundation that we've built our lives on is different. Neither of them is wrong or right. But now what are we going to do? You mentioned earlier that certain resentment started to build. And I'm, I'm thinking about listeners who might be listening to this and saying, oh, well, like I'm having some sort of resentment. How do I bring this up? What, how, what, how, do I, how do I say this? How can we have the conversation? There's a lot of fear around wanting to bring this up. And the longer that you wait, the more the resentment builds. So I'm wondering for you guys, when there is conflict or there, when there is resentment that is building, how do you create that space to have that conversation in your relationship? Well, it's really interesting because I think everyone could self-reflect on their conflict style. And that's not something that we, like we did talk about it, but like when it gets in full-blown action, like you see a lot more of like the way someone handles conflict. So what we've noticed in our relationship is we're willing to have really tough conversations, but then after the tough conversation, we have two different go-to mechanisms. So mine is, I really like some space and some time to just reflect. I'm not going to rush through things. But what I realized is like, I have to let Abby know, like, we're okay. I just want some time to think about this and kind of like feel where my head is at. Because before, like we mentioned, like she is a little bit of a spiraler. And anytime we have an issue, it's more of like that anxious attachment of like she wants it to be fixed the minute that it's happening. And so we've really had to work through that because I I don't want to abandon you and make you... I'm not punishing you by taking space. I just truly need the space. And so I try to reassure her. And it still comes up even now. So like you know, just this week, we had a situation where, you know, we're in a little bit of conflict. And, and she feels worse than I wish she did. But it's like, you can only handle that side of, you know, I can only handle my side of the partnership. I'd be curious as to what you would say to that too. When I also say that it's not, it's not Amy's fault with how I'm feeling, like you have to own your feelings and how you get through conflict. And that's a growth in human beings, it's a growth in partnership. So at the beginning, our conflict styles and trying to figure out, okay, Amy hasn't talked to me for 20 minutes. Oh my gosh, she hates me. We're going to end this business. Like I'm going to have to go back to the corporate world. Like that's where my mind would go within a three second period of time. And now it's realizing, okay, she needs space. I still have all these big emotions. That's on me. What do I need to do in this moment? But I think that just figuring out where you are in the relationship and then where you are, it's kind of like love languages, right? Mm -hmm. How can you each come to the situation and help the other person while also keeping in mind what you need? And I think from the start, I mean, you guys talk about this too. The start of the conversation can also lead to how the conversation is going to end. <laughs> so if you come in with fire because you have fire in your heart and you want to say all these things, it might not end as well as if you just take a breather, go in with what you need to say respecting them, respecting yourself, because both sides need need that respect. Well, and I love it. I love what we're talking about of like, 
part of this is self-accountability and the other part is intuitive nature and also saying to someone, hey, I know you're a spiral because when I study you and I study myself, I'm able to best support us, right? This idea of like, you know, I, okay, I'm someone who's like, this is Jen and I, right? So like Jen won't answer me and I'm like, she's mad. She's mad because I did this thing and she's like out to fucking dinner. Like, no, nah, like it's, she just is like not on her phone for five minutes and I'm like, no. Nah. But like in my partnership, in my marriage, my husband is way more anxiously attached than I am and it's really hard for him to like sit in the discomfort. And so these really small little gestures, we got this huge fight yesterday and yesterday at the end of the night, I said, I guess we'll try again tomorrow. I guess we'll just start again tomorrow. That's what you do in relationships, right? You're like, I guess we just do it again. We'll set reset. And my partner was like, thank you so much for saying that. So this really small thing for me was really big for him. And it also was that I didn't have to soothe and settle him. That was his responsibility to do. But like just the self-awareness that you've both gained, it sounds like you can really do that. And that's what makes relationships work. That's what people are confused at. They think it's all the other shit. <laughs> and the thing, the thing that I love that you guys started with is that when you first started this business, it was almost like a marriage proposal because it is a marriage it is very much a marriage. And, you know, when you think about conflict in your marriage and you think about conflict with your business partner, right, where there's something that binds you together and it's marriage or your business. And so there's a lot of fear of like, if this doesn't work out, if we're not able to communicate through this, what happens to the business, right? What happens to the marriage? And so to think about it, when you are going into a business partnership as this is a marriage, we're making a commitment to each other, you know, we talk a lot about contracts and marriage and how important it is to kind of talk through that contract, um, the emotional contract of it, that just just as you would do that in your marriage, you would also want to do that in your business partnership. Absolutely. Like we've always done things like we had our operating agreement in place and like you're literally signing that. It's like it's a very serious thing. So, yeah, we coach people that are starting businesses like that's our other business. And what we see a lot is people that are wanting to go into business together. They're actually kind of doing it from a fear based idea of like, I'm scared to be the face of something. So like, why don't I get with Jen? And then like, she can be the face of it, you know? And, and so we really push them to think about it more of like, no, why are you actually, actually wanting to do business with someone? So yeah, I think it's as serious as it is. Same with marriage. I don't think people are asking themselves all the hard questions that they have to ask themselves before they sign on that line. Okay, so we have two big questions for you both today when it comes to business. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Our two listener questions. Okay. What is your best piece of advice for going into business with a friend? We started the business this past August and things are so new and exciting now, but I worry about further down the road when the inevitable disagreements arise because I'm very conflict avoidant, but know that conflict is bound to come up. Do you have any words of wisdom or a pep talk? Establish your roles right away from the beginning. And it's your roles in business and it's also your roles outside of business. How is that friendship going to continue to go? Because, and we mentioned it before, but so many people go into business with this idea of what it could be and they don't realize what it actually will end up being. And I mean, Amy and I, we were friends when we started and we are closer friends after a year and now we are best friends from the partnership. So I'm, we are telling you also that your friendship can grow as your business grows, which is a really, really cool thing to see. 
Um, there's a book called Rocket Fuel. So Amy has the visionary. That's her role in our business. And then mine is the integrator role. And not every single business partnership will have like a clear cut. This is exactly what you're doing. But I did find that the book Rocket Fuel did help just with establishing and also understanding where the other person's coming from. Understanding that Amy needs the space to be creative, doesn't need that 27 point to-do list that I just thrive on and people with my personality and in my role, it's a really good thing. So just because it works for me, it's not going to work for her. And knowing that and going forward with it. So I just think right from the start, figuring those things out is probably one of the best. I would say just within her question, she already had an answer of she already knows she's conflict avoidant. Okay. So what we know is that that can cause a lot of resentment. So I think just the self-awareness of like, okay, I know I'd rather avoid conflict, but I know the end game in that is that I could get resentment. It's like, you have to tell yourself, this is going to be uncomfortable and I still need to do it. So both of us have worked through what... Because we all bring a past to whatever we're doing right now. So she really already knows her tendency. And I think that's already a huge step. And for her partner to also know, maybe have this conversation before you guys get to a conflict. Say like, hey, I tend to be really conflict avoidant and I get really nervous. What, what, how do you handle conflict? And then they can have that conversation so that you can be like, in a very nice, healthy way, like Abby, you're doing that thing where you seem like you're shutting down right now. But I think it's really important that we have this conversation. Mm. Oh, I love so those pieces. Good. Um, uh, that book that you read. So was that something you guys did was figure out roles beforehand or was that something you integrated later? I know it was later. Um, it was a couple of months in and my life coach actually recommended it to me prior. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another book, another book on roles. I don't need to read this one. And then I'm like, hold on. This is the book that I need to read in order to keep a friendship alive while also keep a business growing. Mm. But I also like what you're talking about, because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this that are like, we started this business and we didn't do any of this. Yep. And I yep. love what you're saying is like, you can actually implement these changes at any time. Read the book at any time. Start at any time. If you did not do this beforehand, you get to reset those boundaries at any time. And like, what a cool thing to say is like, oh, yeah, we did that, too. Yes. And I also encourage you to continue to do that. So like we said before, don't just sign the agreement and be like, we're good. We're good for the next 10 years of business partnership. No, it's a constant conversation. If you see your partner starting to get into a different season, are you going to follow them into that season? Where can you support them in that season? I mean, all of it. It's so important. People do that in marriage. Don't you think so many people enter into marriage? The amount of people here are like, well, we're married. What's the big deal? And I'm like, oh, my Lord. Oh, no. Because you want to, you don't just want to survive in it. You don't want to survive in your marriage. You don't want to survive in your business partnership. You want to be someone who's thriving and feeling like your other partner is also thriving. And that does mean making some small changes. It does making some small tweaks. It does mean just figuring out if things need to change. But that's that's the glory of it. That's what makes it so good. Absolutely. So our next question, we talked about this a little bit, but I'm wondering if you guys can give some clear examples. You've done an episode before on conversations to have with your partner before the next step, like getting married, moving in. But what about conversations to have if you're thinking about starting a business with a friend? What do we need uh, to be on the same page about? What is it okay to disagree on? Any insight into conversations you've had before starting your practice would be so helpful. Thank you. 
Yeah. And it's cool because we have our own experience. But like I said, we've also coached a lot of people mm-hmm. through this. So what we find is, A, talk about skill sets. I don't think you want to go into business with someone that has your exact same skill set. So you have to think about like, why are we actually doing this together if we're not bringing different things? I think you have to be really clear on the goals of what your business is. Abby and I talked about this just before jumping on. We have friends who they have a business. One of them absolutely needs this to become profitable so that she doesn't have to go to a different job. The other one already has a profitable business. So like, do you see what they're doing there is like one has that mentality of like, we need this to work. We need this to work. We need this to make money while the other one doesn't. And that can cause a problem right there. So like, what are your goals? How long does it need to be until you get paid? I think people have to talk about time commitment. So we see a lot of people that are starting side hustles. And it's like how many, you can't get tit for tat. It's like marriage. But also if you have full-time capacity to work on something and he or she only has night times a couple nights a week, the chances that you might have some resentment are high. So talk about that. Abby and I even had that conversation where, you know, a few weeks or months in, I said, I asked you if you were going to get resentful of the fact that I don't have you know, that much time for this. And now it seems like you are getting resentful. So then we have to have that conversation. We talked about this a lot, but like, how do you deal with conflict is probably my number one recommendation because it is going to come. Business gets stressful. Like it's a very important conversation to have. So I have no idea if we prepped you for this and and <laughs> ending segment, um, but I'm going to throw it out there. So at the end of our episodes and Shrink Chicks, when we when we bring guests on, um, we do a segment called Calling Bullshit. And so we want to ask you, the both of you, call bullshit on something maybe about business partners, something in your field, in your, in field. your industry. Tell us, give us some bullshit. Mm, myth busting time, baby. <laughs> And we started getting into it at the end there, but I do think that people who want a business partner really have to think about why they're having that business partner. Like, are you having it because you're scared? Are you having that person join because you love that person so much you want to spend a whole bunch of time with them? Are you having that person join because they have a different skill set, but equal, equal values? Like, why are you having that person come on? Because I think that that partnerships are incredible. We've talked a lot on this podcast about how incredible partnerships are, how we couldn't do a lot of what we can do with a partner. And I'm going to call BS on that because I think that sometimes in some partnerships, you could simply have a virtual assistant or an online business manager. You can be you know, the king of the podcast or of the business or whatever you're running and hire somebody to do the things that you're not good at and you'll still be very successful. Okay. I'm going a completely different direction. It is this money mindset that women have that when they're passionate about something and they're helping something just like you guys do, that they can't also care about making money from it. And so we see that from so many of our students. We've had to work ourselves out of that mindset of like, no, I am here to make money. These are my best money making years of my life. Like that is important to me. I earn that. I don't have to just give my talent and all the education we have for free. So like, I think that that's a thing that I see in the online space is that women aren't always happy for women to become successful and to make money and to own it and say like, 
that's actually a desire. I want to be able to support my family and here are my goals. So I think that that's a really interesting thing we see a lot of our students struggle with is like, I'm so passionate about it. But here's the thing I would like to say is like, I know what I do with my money. And it is women are far more generous. We give to good causes. We do much better things than men do. So it's like, go out there and claim that that's what you want to do. You don't have to necessarily tell the public like I am, but I do think there's this whole shift of like, nope, I actually know that I can do a lot of good in this world with money. Mm, Oh, I love both of those. Those are very good. (laughs) Oh, I love that. What's so true, right? Go get your money, honey. Okay. Hey, thanks for being on Shrink Chicks. We loved having you today. Where could everyone find you? Everyone starting a business. You have to use Abby and Amy to start with their coaching and uh, do business coaching. Tell us where everyone can find you. Yeah, so on the business side, it's... Instagram, online at Pursuing Her Purpose. And then we also have the Herself podcast, which you guys have been amazing guests on. And that's where we talk about motherhood and getting one step ahead of where you are. Amazing. So check out both those things. Everything will be in the show notes. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Shrink Chicks. We asked you to send it to a friend if you did. Rate, review, subscribe, follow on Apple Podcasts. If you're looking for a therapist and you were located in Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, Delaware, Pennsylvania, Florida, or California, we'd love to hook you up with a great clinician. You could always come in person in Westchester, Pennsylvania, or Rittenhouse right in Philadelphia. And if not, hey, go get some amazing coaches. Go read some self-help. There are so many ways to invest in your growth and you can start today. And don't forget that to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. We'll see you next week on Tree Chicks.